0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB
1: underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glynn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is episode 59 of the On The Banks Podcast. At this point, 59 episodes in, you know where to find all of our podcast episodes. You can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks podcast. You can find them on your favorite podcast platform, and as always, you can find this episode, every episode, and so much great content by going to onthebanks.com. I am very excited to be joined on this episode of the On the Banks Podcast by Bobby Darren of 24/7 sports Scarletnation.com. Bobby and I discussed the first recruiting class in Greg Schiano's second tenure here at Rutgers and the success that Coach Schiano and his staff had in what was a very short time both building relationships and ultimately reeling in commitments to this group. You know, I was really impressed with a couple of things in this class and you'll hear in our conversation why Greg Schiano targeted specific players that had, you know, key attributes. I really liked the size of the defensive linemen that Greg Schiano brought in. You look at them, Isaiah Wright is 6'5", Wesley Bailey is 6'5", Troy Rainey is 6'5", Tajay Moore is 6'6". Getting defensive linemen all 6'5", or bigger, is obviously crucial when going up against the large offensive linemen that so many other Big Ten schools have. You look at this roster last year, they had three defensive linemen at least 6'5", and one of them, in Willington Prevalon, He's used all of his eligibility and is either going on to the NFL or to things after college. Greg Schiano managed to more than double the amount of defensive linemen that are at least 6'5", which, as I said, is obviously much needed in the Big Ten. I also appreciated Coach Schiano's ability to recruit from the transfer portal. You look at really six guys that he brought in, Peyton Powell, Aaron Cruikshank, Malik Barrow, Ireland Burke, Michael Dwumfor, and Brandon White. This was his first time as a head coach really using the portal and bringing in those six guys, all who have power five experience. It was huge. It is so hard for players to come in as freshmen and make a drastic impact. But when you bring in players, when when players come over with college tape and college experience, they can come in and they can be highly successful. This 2020 class brought with it a lot of positives and I think really showed off the traits that Greg Schiano was going to target in kids for classes to come. There's obviously still a lot of work to be done, but this first group of commits, they can definitely be building blocks for this program. As the Scarlet Knights, as they aim to rebuild in the Big Ten, and as Greg Schiano pushes to once again work his Rutgers magic here in Piscataway.
0: Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn.
1: He's the senior writer for 24-7 Sports, ScarletNation.com, covering Rutgers athletics and Rutgers recruiting. And he comes on to talk the 2020 Rutgers football recruiting class now that the traditional signing day has passed. I am very excited to be joined once again on the podcast by Bobby Darren. Bobby, I'm sure that with everything going on with Rutgers athletics, football, basketball, it's been a busy last few weeks for you. But thanks for coming on and giving me some time. Oh,
0: thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: So, Bobby, look, Greg Sciano's first signing day back at Rutgers is complete, and there may be a few additions here and there via the transfer portal still to come, but the class is basically set. I would love to hear your thoughts on how Greg Schiano performed considering the short time he had to recruit, and if he met the expectations or even exceeded what you thought he could do with this class in his first cycle back on the job.
0: Well, you know, let's, let's start off. He had only two weeks to recruit, and I think he did a phenomenal job in the short window, but also, you have to know that, that, you know, Greg is very prepared and very thorough, very meticulous. So coming into this situation, he had done his homework, he had his gallery reports, he knew he was who he was going after. Um, and I think it was important to get Fran Brown on early, because this guy is one of the most dynamic recruiters in the Northeast. So bringing him on as one of his first assistants was really big, because you saw as soon as he jumped ship, um, to to Rutgers, two of his recruits followed uh, Robert Longerbeam and Chris Long, who were at Temple. Chris Long is now a four star. Uh, we upgraded in the twenty four seven Sports to to the Rutgers lone four star uh, coming out of high school in the twenty twenty class, um, and also Robert Longerbeam was a guy you watch his tape, and, and that's a four star tape. But the kid had committed to Temple going into his senior year, and you know he was so sold on playing with Fran Brown that you know he wasn't open to going anywhere else. And when Fran went to Rutgers, you know, he went and committed without even seeing the campus, which which says a lot about, you know, the kind of pool that Fran Brown has. So um, you get a couple guys like that, really good athletes, and I think that's what Greg really wanted to do And speaking to him. You know, he said, I wanted to get longer, more athletic, but he needed to get more size. If you're ever down there uh, before a game and you look at the Rutgers guys, and they're just not as big as they once were. When, you know, when Greg was there the first time around, and you look at the team, and, and they're kind of dwarfed by some other Big Ten team, so you the know, got a lot of big guys, a lot of long guys, you know, even a guy like Victor Capono, who didn't have a whole lot going on, but he's a six seven guy who just started playing football, can play DN tight end, probably going to play tight end at Rutgers, a guy like Tareem Powell, who was 6'4", 205, you know, played safety, and High school is probably going to play um, linebacker, outside linebacker for Rutgers. But you have that length, and, and and it just makes a big difference in the big ten, as you know, so much size. But I think Greg did a really good job in the short window that he had. He took some chances on some guys, but um, you know, really had a, a concrete plan mapped out, and and went after you know, you know, it wasn't just random guys he was going after. But um, upgraded his athleticism, his length, his strength. I think it's going to turn out to be a nice class.
1: And just regarding the overall perception of the program, how has it changed since Yano took over in the eyes of these recruits, and what have the kids been saying about Rutgers, the coaching staff, and possibly now spending their careers on the banks?
0: It's a complete change. And, and I hear it most from coaches that I know who, you know, will tell me, you know, before, you know, they'll still say, I'm not going to say this in, in an interview that I'm going to write, but they'll tell me, you know, I wasn't going to send my kids to Rutgers, for Chris Ashford's there, he's a nice guy and you know, all, but you know, just wasn't happening. Uh, that whole narrative has changed now with Greg Ciano in there. And, and you, you have to remember, a lot of these coaches in New Jersey have been there. He knows them. They just saw what he can do. And, and that's going to help them, you know, sell Rutgers to their kids more so than the, they've done in the past regimes. Even kind of going back to Kyle Flood, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, they'll go to the Rutgers if they have to. I you had a few kids that really wanted to go there that were standouts, kind of like Isaiah Pacheco. But for the most part, the general reception was, well, you know, let's, let's fall back on Rutgers. You know, now it's, hey, let's check this out. We could be the, the class that changes things. And Shiano just has a presence to him. If you ever met him, when he walks into a room, he, you know he's somebody. Even If you know if you don't know him as Rutgers football coach or you don't know him, just seeing him work a room and talk and command, you know, uh, that, that, that attention from people, he has a presence about him. And, that really helps in recruiting because, you know, you have to sell yourself and you have to sell your program, and part of that is how you do it with, with the presence the
1: R you have, and, and Seattle just has that it factor. So let's talk about some of the kids who signed to this class and will be coming in as freshmen. You know, we'll get to the really plethora of transfers in a little bit, but when you look at this group in the 2020 class coming in either as freshmen or their first year in Division One, who are some guys that really jump out to you that make you say, you know, he can really make an impact early on in his Rutgers career?
0: Well, I think uh, the early unrolled have a better chance because they're just here earlier. I mentioned a guy like Robert Longerby. When you watch his tape, he's like, how how is this kid only committed to temple? Um, kid is long, athletic, uh, fast. When you watch him, he played quarterback at T.C. Williams, which, uh, if you saw, remember the Titans, it was in <laughs> that in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, uh, but he, uh, he's a guy, you know, it's just, you just say, wow, when you watch him. Um, you know, I mentioned Chris Long is is definitely going to help out at defensive back. He needs to add a little weight to him, but, um, you know, he, he's very electric. Uh, you know, he, he was first a receiver recruit, and then Frank Brown kind of convinced him to switch to defensive back. I think he's got a high ceiling. Tyreen Powell is just a, a super athlete, and, and you don't get guys that are 6'4", 6'5", with that type of athleticism. I think once they put some weight on him over this, um, you know, uh, and into the summer, you're going to see a guy who's really looks like a Big Ten linebacker. I don't know how much run he'll get early, but Greg Schiano in the past has liked to use his linebackers on special teams, so I would expect to see him get some run. And um, you know, he upgraded on on the offensive line. He really liked uh, Tunde Fatoukasi, who had a really good senior year um, out of New York City, and didn't have a lot going on because you know a lot of these classes fill up early, but. He was actually the first guy that Greg Seattle offered, bringing him early and having him work out through the spring. There's a chance that he could help as early as this year. Now it depends upon how he develops and, you know, how he kind of grows and, and, and gets stronger. That all goes into the equation. But, um, you know, just, just a really, a really uh, uh, athletic guy with a lot of upside. And then, you know, you talk about some of the transfers he brought in. A guy like Ireland Burke is going to step in and, probably be the best defensive tackle they have on the roster right away. Kid came from uh, Pope John High School, went to Boston College, played in nine games last year as a true freshman. Now, you look at his stats and he only had six tackles, but it's so difficult for freshmen to play on the defensive line. Just being able to to get playing time to be part of that rotation as an 18-year-old kid when you're going against Giants that are 22, 23 years old at times, um, it says a lot about his potential, and he's a kid who, injured his knees his junior year, only played a game, and, you know, that kind of hurt his recruitment. Still had 15 offers, but his coach told me he thought he would have 30 offers to be an SEC kid if he didn't injure his knee. He's back healthy, and, uh, you know, I, I think he's just going to really help out. A guy like uh, Brendan White from uh, Ohio State is transferring into the safety, and he was this guy was a defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, if he gets his eligibility this year, he could be the best player on the entire team. Only reason he didn't play last year is um, Ohio State went to a, a set on defense where they only ran one safety. Jordan Fuller beat him out for that safety spot. who you know play in the NFL. So, um, you know, guys like that are going to come in and help immediately. And I, I think uh, some of these early contributors that are immediate contributors for some of the transfers is really going to help Rutgers to improve. It's overall play in 2020.
1: And what I liked about this class was the size of the defensive linemen. You know, Wesley Bailey's 6'5", Isaiah Wright's 6'5", Troy Rainey's 6'5", and they also got a guy late in Tajay Moore from New Brunswick who's 6'6", as well as, you know, Ireland Burke and Michael Dwumfor and a couple other transfers, Malik Barrow that they got in on the on the defensive line as well. How do you think Greg Schiano and Jim Panagos did in recruiting the defensive line considering that was always a position Rutgers struggled with in recent years?
0: And it's funny now because he's bringing in such big guys. His first time around, one of the knocks on Seattle was that he used smaller, quicker guys on the D line. You know, your Eric Foster's weren't that big. You know, Scott Malone's weren't that big. They were they were the smaller, quicker guys. Now he's going. You know, with the with the size and the length, and, and it's funny how the the whole landscape changes. And um, I think he did an excellent job because when you watch Rutgers on tape, you know they're getting people on the line of scrimmage. You know um defensively if you can't, you know, lean ground in the trenches, you know, it doesn't matter who's playing the second level. It's 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 gonna be a nightmare to have guys running through open holes. So I think that was an immediate need. And you know, even your best corners can't cover for six, seven seconds if you can't get guys to rush the passer. So I think that is really going to help out the entire defense. And I think they did a good job. And you have to remember they had such a short amount of time now it's still going to be a work in progress, so they're not going to come out and be the best defensive line in the Big Ten. But I think you will see gradual steps towards, um, a, a, you know, towards more respectable play on the defensive line. I think they did a good job of addressing that. Uh, like you said, with the size, it's it's just
1: going to have a different look to that defensive line. And, you know, you may have uh, answered this earlier, but they did bring in a couple athletes, Tyreen Powell, Chris Long, Robert Longerbeam, and Victor Kanopka, that could play multiple positions or could end up at a few spots. What do you know about where these guys may end up and, and where they are projected at to make the biggest impact? The
0: Kanopka's been working out as a tight end and... and... I, I think he's going to, uh, you know, he'll start out there. And Greg had even said, I spoke to him on Wednesday uh, via conference call. He said that, you know, we're going to try guys out of position, but that's not like right where they're, they might not be where they went lined up. So Kanapka's going to go to the tight end. They really don't have much in the tight end uh, as far as depth. You know, you have Matt Alamo, Jonathan Lewis coming back off an injury, and that's really it. You have a bunch of walk ons. Um, so there's a need base there uh, at the tight end position. So Kanapka, can see playing there. Um, Tyreen Powell is is probably going to be an outside linebacker, but again, you know, you have to get him on the field and see what he does. Longer beam is an interesting one because he fits the mold of of a corner that was really good. He was an all-state defensive back, but then you watch his dick with the ball in his hands, and he's just, you know, he's so dynamic. He makes guys miss. He's quick. He's shifty. I mean, he's just a really good football player. I go back to when Muhammad Sanu came in. He came in during spring practice, and for the first twelve practices, Muhammad Sanu played safety, and we were allowed to watch every practice back then. He made one of the most devastating hits over the middle. Um, I can't remember. I think it might have been Aaron Hayward. He hit. I, I thought he like, you know, I thought they got to stretch out on this kid. He hit him so hard. By the thirteenth practice, Muhammad Sanu was a wide receiver because Rutgers had really no options at receiver. Marcus Cooper at the time was the best guy. So I think that's important to keep in mind when you look at a guy like Bean. He might come in and be a bang-up corner, but you look over at wide receiver in the last few years, Rutgers hasn't exactly had all Big Ten guys playing the position. So there's a need there at wide receiver. So it'll be interesting to
1: see if he sticks at defensive back or is shifted because of that need. And, you know, there are a few kids in this class as well that could potentially be those diamond in the rough kind of guys that Greg Schiano really loved bringing in in his first tenure. You know, obviously the most famous ones are the McCordys, you know, either two or low three-star guys and look what they ended up turning out to be. All these kids, they'd be under-recruited kids that, that turn out and exceed expectations here. Are there any guys in this group that stand out to you as ones we could look back on at the end of their time here and say, wow, like, look, we really got a steal with this guy that was under-recruited?
0: Uh, I think the first guy that comes to mind is Jameer Wright Collins. Now, he did not sign his letter of intent, committed on signing day. Um, You know, he still has to get some academics squared away, and a lot of schools laid off of him um, because of that situation. You know, coming out of Patterson Kennedy has all the tools to be an excellent Big Ten linebacker. If you watch his film and you see him play in person, I mean, he high-jumps a ridiculous height. He's one of the best in the state. Um... And he's just—he's just a raw athlete. They, they cover so much ground so quickly, so if he can hook up those academics and, and, and bring that together, I, I really like what what he brings to the table. He's just a, a, a really tough—you know—really tough athlete, and his athleticism is off the charts. Then you look at the offensive line, a guy like Brian Felter, who didn't get a, a ton of recruiting attention, maybe because he's a little on the shorter side, but. Not by much. Um, you know, the first time Greg was here, I can remember him recruiting six foot seven offensive linemen that never played a down. Um, he's a kid, uh, Brian Feltzer's just a football kid and you know, tough kid, you know, tremendously hard worker, You're gonna get solid effort out of him day in and day out. Um, you know, could be a, a multi year starter on on the offensive line. So, um, you know, there, there are a couple guys that come to mind that, that when you look back, their offer list, you might say, wow, why didn't, they, why didn't they get more offers? And they really turned into productive players.
1: Joined alongside by Bobby Darren of 247 Sports, ScarletNation.com, let's move over to the transfers. And there are quite a few of them. They all have Power 5 experience at one point in their career. How do you think Greg Shiano maneuvered through the transfer portal, considering this was his first time as a head coach really recruiting from it and getting guys using it that can make an instant impact when they step on campus?
0: You know, he he talked about it uh, quite a bit and said he kind of compared it to uh, free agency in in the NFL and said, you know, some of the experience he had there kind of helped him a little bit to to navigate this. But, you know, I think his ties to some of the the high school coaches really helped. You know, a guy like Aaron Krusak from Wisconsin, you know, his transfer came out of the blue. But, you know, Greg has ties to the area of the coaches and, and, and they know, you know, he, he has plans in, uh, for, for this year, and, and, and in those plans, there's needs a certain position. A guy like Aaron Krusek becomes, you know, automatically one of the fastest players on the team and, and a guy who could be a, a target, you know, on every pass play. Um, Rutgers, as I mentioned, hasn't really had much success, by the way, of wide receivers in the last couple of years. So a guy like that comes in with, you know, he 95-yard kickoff return in the Rose Bowl. Rutgers wasn't getting guys like that in the past, so I I think a guy like that will come in and and really light things up. I mentioned Brendan White. I mean, defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl. You know, enough said. um, These guys can come in and and help Rutgers be respectable quicker than if they were going to get guys just out of high school and have to build them up and redshirt them for a year, then they get a year kind of acclimating to the game. So you know, it's a process when you have to build those guys, but. I think he's going to grab a couple more. a matter of fact, he said he's going to grab a couple more. Um, you know, these guys come out almost seemingly by the day, so you never know who you're going to get. But um, the defensive line was upgraded. You talk about uh, Michael Blumford, you have um, Malik Barrow and Ireland Burke, you know, three defensive linemen there that are going to play a lot that weren't on the team last year that have Power 5 experience. So uh, it looks a lot better a lot quicker.
1: Three that stood out to me as, you know, the grad transfers or the one-year players, at least, are Brandon White, Malik Barrow, and Michael Four, you know, two of which you mentioned before. They obviously come over from Ohio State, Central Florida, and Michigan, respectively. What's your impression of how these guys play, and how much of an impact do you think they can make here, even though their time at Rutgers will really only be limited to just one season?
0: Yeah, and I think they'll come in and, I mean, look, they give you more size on the defensive line. Duomfor um, is a guy who's played a lot at Michigan. I mean, and, and even though he didn't start a ton over there, you know, you look at some of the guys he's backing up, you know, are in the NFL. So um, he's a guy that's going to give them, a, 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 you know, a better advantage in the trenches. And, and you know, you're still going to go up against the Ohio States who, who, who have, you know, you know, you seen what they did last year. But, you know, when you're playing the Illinois and the and the Marylands and the Indianas of the world, this is going to put you right with them. Luke bow is an interesting one. He's been hurt his whole career, so uh, Greg Shannon thinks he's healthy, he thinks he can contribute. I, I don't know if he's going to be a star, but he might be a serviceable guy. Um, I just think that you know, with Ireland Burke in there, you're going to see that defensive line be a lot more. Uh, you know, they'll be a lot tougher than they were in, in the past. You had a lot small, a lot of smaller guys in there, and. And when you're getting beat off the ball, there's nothing that you can really do to compensate because you know you're really hanging the rest of the defense out to dry. But I think you know these guys might not be all Big Ten caliber right away, but they're going to give you a better advantage in the transition than what you had.
1: And, of course, the transfers that will be here longer include, you know, Peyton Powell, Ireland Burke, as you mentioned, Aaron that which we talked about. Obviously, all three need waivers from the NCAA to be eligible this season. First off, do you foresee all three of them getting that waiver? And second, what do you think the three of them bring at really positions of need for Rutgers with Burke on the D-line, Cruikshank as returner and a receiver, and Powell really as an athlete that can kind of play multiple positions? Yeah,
0: I, you know, I think, well, from what I've heard, that Cruikshank and are probably going to get their waivers. Powers is a little bit more of a question mark. You know, he left Baylor uh, before the start of last season, was committed to Utah, back out of that, and then came the Rutgers. So he might have a harder time selling it, but the NCAA is getting a lot more lenient. So I'll be curious to see how he, he um, you know, how that transpires. If you remember back Johnny Lyon got denied but appealed it and then won the appeal late in summer. So, um he, I, I was betting, I would bet the first two, Krushenk and, and Burke, and then I don't know if I put too much money down with Powell. But um, Powell's an interesting one because they're going to come in and try him out a quarterback, and he's extremely athletic. Rutgers hasn't had an athlete like that playing quarterback for as long as I can remember. And, you know, they're not exactly burning it up with the quarterbacks they've had over the past few years. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs, and I think the spring will be a good indication of where he winds up, Um you know, if he comes out, and it's, it's obvious the, the quarterback thing isn't clicking. Greg's not going to keep him there for too long because he's too good of an athlete to just leave there. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see him. Mean, he played at Perryman High School in the best of Texas. Another, uh, you know, Friday Night Lights, that's where that was. It seems like that's a theme with some of these <laughs> guys coming in. They're coming from schools that are they're in the movies. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned Longer be earlier, but uh, he's an interesting one because he's a heck of an athlete could play a lot of different positions, but I'd like to see what he's got at quarterback because, um, I'm more of a fan of mobile quarterbacks personally. And I think it would bring the whole new dynamic to the offense. So, uh, I think he could help out there, you know, he's got to do it on the field first, but, um, you know, uh, Khrushank, mentioned uh, kick returner. Rutgers has really not had a prolific kick returner since Janari and Grant. And I think he already brings that to the table. You saw what he did at Wisconsin. And, um, he can also play the slot, bring speed. I think is he, a really good decision for him because going to Wisconsin, as you know, to, to run heavy offense, it's not really friendly towards receivers in, in the passing game. So uh, I think it was a good choice by him. And then Berkeley, it talked about who is just, you know, he's he got a ton of potential. This guy could develop into an all-Big Ten type player. He could be the best defensive lineman this year.
1: Bobby, a couple more before I let you go. You know There is potential for more to come, whether it's recruits signing late, transfers coming over during the next few months. What do you think Rutgers has to do, and who do they have to target, or what do they have to target leading into spring practice and leading into September to fill out this roster before the season begins?
0: Well, with the transfer portal and limited spots, I don't think you set your sights on one specific position. Uh, Let's be honest, they need upgrades across the board, so... Uh, you look at the best available guys, and then you grab them because they, um, you know, they just need help all around. The talent there's such a talent disparity when they play a team like Ohio State or Michigan. They're upgrading talent is, is is concern number one. I mean, you look at even running back. You say, well, they don't really need a running back. You know, running back injuries happen rather quickly. So, you know, before you know it, you could be down to two, three, four, your fourth running back. So, you know, if a guy comes out and it's either dominant guy you have to take a look at them but uh, i mean that's not a position i think they will look at i'm just using that as an example but if a, a big time receiver comes out you have to look at the offensive line i mean you know they're not just going to go on anybody but the offensive line got pushed around last year and, and some of those guys played hard but some of those guys feelings might have been the fcs level um you know if you get any offensive linemen that are that are they, they can play a little bit that you have to look at them because um you know, I don't care what kind of quarterback, what kind of running back, what kind of receivers you have. If you can't block for them, they're all for naught. So um, that would be a position I would say to look at, you know, very closely. But, again, it's not one that you should prioritize just for position sake because it's no sense bringing in a guy that's not going to be productive just because you have a need there. The guy has to, you know, be able to contribute, and, and if it's not going to be the offensive line, you know, get get another uh, a safety in there. You know, they, they need help back there. So um, they get a wide receiver in there. Get the best guy available. And I think that's the the, the way that Greg is going to navigate through this.
1: Bobby, last You know, they're about 10 months until early signing day for the 2021 class and really a year until the traditional signing day. Elijah Clark, a defensive back out of Camden, was the first to commit to Rutgers in that 2021 group. Looking at the rest of that class, who are some recruits Rutgers fans should keep an eye on? Some kids that Rutgers is targeting early that you think the staff is going to try and make a run at?
0: Well, they're, they're, you know, the they're, they're blanket in uh, what Grant calls the state of Rutgers with offers, um, guys in Florida, guys in Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, Maryland. Um, you know, once the recruiting starts to get through the spring, you'll really start to see the, the choices narrowed down because sometimes you're just handing out offers and guys really don't even know much about the program. But getting back to Elijah Clark, I was at a, one of his 7-on-7 practices a couple of weeks ago. kid just moves phenomenally. And Fran Brown is really recruiting South Jersey well. Um, you know, uh, Clark's teammate, Deuce Chestnut, uh, is high on Rutgers. He was waiting for LSU offer. I don't know if that's going to come. He's a four-star kid. Uh, he's another one that's talked about playing with the wide Next level, Dan LaCheek was also down there in Winslow Township. Rutgers going to have to fight off a push from Penn State with him. But the Fran Brown factor in South Jersey goes a long way. And, and, you know, if you get those three guys, you have a potential starting secondary for years to come. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a push down there to get some of those South Jersey guys. And, and even even in North Jersey, you know, they're, they're bringing some guys on campus, um, you know, during the um, basketball game a couple weeks ago when they had a bunch of recruits on campus. Taiwan Malone, the number one player in the state for Bergen Catholic, was sitting next to Greg Ciano during the basketball game. So, you know, he has a history of of working recruits in the state for a long period of time. So he's just getting started now with that, but a guy like Malone, he's going to start and, and continue on and continue on. So it'll be interesting to see how much progress he makes. But, you know, if, if you're narrowing it down to say who's going to be the next commit and stuff like that, I think that's really going to have to take a, few more, a couple more months because we're in a recruiting dead period right now for the rest of the month. So once guys start to visit in the spring, uh, things start to become a little clearer. Guys start committing a little earlier, but for right now, they've casted a pretty wide net. And for, for the early for the early guys to look at, I would say keep an eye on some of those South Jersey guys I mentioned. Um, Rucker's doing a good job down there, and uh, like I said, Fred Brown is just a phenomenal recruiter. He he could lock down that part of the state this year and, and bring in a host of guys, guys like, like Jarvis out of Shawnee as well. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of talent. So, um Keep an eye on South Jersey, but um, you know, like I said, the state of Rutgers is casting a wide net, and Seattle has offers out to a lot of different places. And in the coming months, it'll start to really focus in on who's who's the guys that are that are really considered an early
1: commitment. Bobby Darren of Twenty Four Seven Sports scarletnation.com. You know, recruiting is always so fluid, and it's always moving along. You guys do a great job at Twenty Four Seven bringing Rutgers fans all the insight on potential Scarlet Knights. Thanks again, Bobby, for coming on the podcast and, and coming on to talk some Rutgers football. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I want to thank Bobby for coming on the podcast to talk Rutgers recruiting as the 2020 traditional signing day has passed and now most eyes move to the 2021 recruiting class. First off, you know, this February national signing day has really become so insignificant now that most players sign in December and most classes are filled on that early signing day as well. But Greg Ciano did do a good job of ending this 2020 class with some under-the-radar kids in Tajay Moore, Jameer Wright-Collins, and Jesse Parson. All three, you know, they're not the most highly rated guys, but Moore brings more size to the defensive line as a 6'6 defensive end. Parson brings a lot of speed to the skill positions on offense, and while Wright-Collins, he has tons of potential to really be a steal for this class, as Bobby said during our discussion. Now all eyes are looking towards spring practice. You know the spring game date has been set for April 25th at 4 pm, and I think we can all agree this is the most anticipated spring game in a long time, but as Bobby and I said, the roster is not yet set. Greg Schiano has said that trans- transfers, excuse me, will still be added to the roster, positions will still be upgraded, and the talent this team has will still be increased. It's been clear since day one that Greg Schiano came in with a plan, and this plan, I think, has been executed so well so far. There is excitement, there is an increase in talent coming into the program, and as we all have been saying, there is hope. There is hope that this program can get turned around, and that this program can start to become more competitive, more respected, and more successful, both in the Big Ten and nationally, here on The Banks.